think that immigration is the is the wildest thing anyone should can do. Like it is. It is <laughs> I think anyone that does it is not normal. I, I'm sorry, that's what I think. It's it is the most. It resets your brain completely. You start life afresh. Yeah, you start you do like it. Just it's a wild thing. Especially if you're an adult, you're above 30, 20. I mean, if you come here as a young kid, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20, 23, I feel like you you're just like oh yeah, I want to have fun. But I, when you've walked for a while in your home country and you get up and say you want to move to another country. Gosh, like it is mad. Like it's, I think you're mad. I think you're a mad human being to try that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> a good kind of mad. You know? <laughs> and so you're dealing with all that. You're dealing with all that energy and all that stuff. And you need to still get a job and start earning and start paying the bills. Well, hello there, and welcome to the Speak English Fearlessly podcast. This is the podcast for motivated English learners who want to speak English fearlessly and learn practical tips and strategies to conquer the CELPIP exam. I also love the feature encouraging interviews with regular people, people just like you, who are working towards becoming fluent in English, so we can learn from their experiences together. Who am I? My name is Aaron Nelson, and I've been an English teacher for over 16 years, and I now work to help students prepare for the CELPIP exam through online classes. Today, I am very happy and excited to be able to welcome a guest, a guest speaker. His name, I surely hope I'm going to get it right, and my friend Dozy, you're going to correct me, okay, if I get it wrong. So, Dozy, and you and your bunum. Okay, that works. I, that works. Uh, <laughs> are you cringing and thinking, I, oh no, my God, just I butchered it? To be honest, I'm not. Like, I mean, it's, it's like I said, it's this accent, this consonants, this different vowels. So, like, you really uh, try, because the people who have pronounced it the first time, I go, like, that's not no. right at all. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, you're very gracious, Dozy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I thank you for your graciousness. But so Dozy is a content strategist, a storyteller, a very good one, by the way. And we're going to talk about that in a second. He's a budding documentary filmmaker, an immigrant, and he hosts a podcast that I want you, yes, you, dear listener, to check out. You need to listen to this podcast if you are new to Canada or if you're about to become a newcomer to Canada Please listen to Dozy's amazing podcast. It's called The Newcomer's Podcast, and I will have a link to it in our show notes today so that you can check him out and listen to him and all the really great stories that he shares with real people who are going through the real experience of trying to immigrate to Canada and establish their life here. He also writes a newsletter about how normal folks can uh, find the right wine for them. I don't know if that's the fair way to describe it, but I think I might have to follow along on that newsletter as well, because I kind of suck at pairing wine with the different <laughs> dishes. <laughs> so maybe Dozy is going to school me on, on wine at one of these times. But I found Dozy from his podcast, which I think is really cool. His podcast 
I, like I already said, features immigrants on their journey to Canada and the things that they go through, the experiences that they've had in their own words. They share their story, the real stories. It's not sugar-coated. It's not, you know, nice and shiny and clean. They tell the real truth. <laughs> and and I think that it's very inspiring in a way to hear what people have gone through to make it to Canada. And Dozy does an excellent job of drawing their story out. So without further ado, Dozy, thank you for being daring enough to come on and join us today. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me on this. I mean, like you you do me too well with all the, the way you introduced me and stuff. <laughs> but well, like good. I'm like I am super, super, super excited to be here, to be honest. I'm looking forward to 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 just having the conversation. Awesome. Well, uh, Dozy, you know this, and and I think that some of our, if you've been listening to this uh, podcast for a little while, you know that at the beginning of January, I read an article, well, over the Christmas break, actually, uh, that was all about, uh, it was just profiling some newcomers and their journey to arriving here in Canada and how difficult it was for them. And it really, it made me remember some of the experiences that my wife and I have been going through. And it also made me think about some of the podcast episodes that I've been listening to of Dozy's. And I thought, man, I would love to talk to Dozy about his experience. So uh, <laughs> that's what this little mini series is all about, is just trying to help uh, newcomers as they get themselves or try to get themselves established here in Canada to feel hopeful that there is hope at the end of the long, dark tunnel that it can often feel like and you find that hope very often by listening to other people share their stories. So I'm going to try to get Dozy to share some of his story <laughs> with us. All yeah, right. So that would be my first question for you, man. How did you end up here in Canada? And where are you from, first of all? Yeah, you know, first of all, you know what's interesting is that, like I've been saying, I need to find someone to record me about my own story because all I've done the past 12 months is just listen to others tell me their stories while... I interject with a bit of my hair there. So like, this is actually so exciting. I have to, I get the chance to share my story with someone else. Um, but yeah, I, I moved from Lagos, Nigeria to Canada 2021. And why Canada? I think it was a mix of a couple of things. Um, I was at a point in my career where I was just asking myself, like, so like, what's the next step? Like, what do I want to do next? You know, we had a, a four-year-old. Mm. Um it just kind of felt like, oh, you know, there was so much the world out there in the world to explore. You know, uh, my home country, things weren't exactly going well at that point in time. And so I just said, me and my wife just said, you know, let's try, you know, let's just try and see. Like, it's there's no harm in immigrating, you know. I mean, if if I knew how difficult it was going to be, <laughs> I would probably, you know, you know, approach it a bit more, um, a bit more care. Um, yeah, I mean, I do think that we did try our best to prep to come, though. But you know, that was that was the thought process. It was more like, hey, like the country exactly, things aren't exactly working as we want it to be. We think yeah. that the world is a much bigger place, and there are a lot of opportunities out there. You know, so the question was like, where in the world can we go to and leave and you know, really explore the opportunities, and at the same time, give our kids. The chance to fulfill their potential you know and so we say you know what yeah, let's try canada and so yeah we applied for the express entry 
got into the pool, got invited. COVID did its work, delayed us a bit, but then 2021, we landed here, you know, in Ottawa, first of all, actually, before we moved to Calgary yeah. in 2022. All right. So back in Lagos, you said you, what, what was your career or so what I, is your career? So in Lagos, I was working, I was working, before I left, I was working with Diageo. So I had spent some time, I was in marketing in Lagos, okay. um, brand marketing and comms. Um, I had done some startup work then. Um, but as I was planning to now move down here, I started asking myself, like, what skill set do I have that I can apply to Canada? You know, and it just, it just at that point in time, also, you just also felt like, so I was doing in B2C, I was working in B2C most of the time, like Diageo. So it's, I, was doing, I was doing a lot of work with content, you know, and I had also done some, I had done a lot of writing as a kid. I had won a competition as a kid. So I like to write. So I just left saying, oh, you know what? Still, if content marketing is still part of marketing, so maybe that's the, that's the part of my skill set that, you know, fits what I can do in, in Canada because it's a different environment, different culture. So you start to ask yourself the hard questions like, you know, how do I ensure that I transition without having to, because um, what I didn't want to do, I didn't want to start trying to go to school again or mm. you know, start trying to learn a new skill. I was asking myself like, yo, like what's the skill I have that can work here? And so it turned out it was content. So I said, oh, you know what? While I was still in Nigeria, I started, I went, I applied for Miami Art School, got into a, got into a boot camp there. Um, so I just started trying things, started doing courses in content, started trying to do some freelance work just to get a sense of how, people over here work what's the cultural difference like what's expected of me that sort of thing um and and then that was pretty helpful and then the other part also was that while I was in Miami art school one of my lecturers they told me that I should try what they call informational interviews which is basically just you reaching out to people in the industry you want to walk in and saying hey um hey this is who I am I'm planning to move to Canada um, I just want to get a sense of what's happening in the industry because for a, for a funny reason, if you ask people, can I give me a job? They don't give you a job. If you yeah. ask them, give me advice on how to get a job, they, they're so willing to give you advice on how to get a job. <laughs> you know, I, I, well, I do that too, you know? So, but the interesting part is that when you have those conversations and you have a really good conversation, you get referrals. Like, so yeah. I, before I got into Canada, I had probably done between 20 to 30 of those informational interviews. Wow. Every single person I spoke to, I'll be like, once I'm done, I'll be like, is there someone you can introduce me to that I can talk to? And I built a huge network that way, recruiters, people in the industry. And so once I landed, you know, it really got, it really got me going, basically. Like, it got me going, to be honest. Wow, that's a really interesting story and a great strategy to follow. <laughs> yeah. And how did you get your first interview, your first uh, information interview? How did you find that person? So what I just did was, um, because I was in Miami Art School, so what I did was I just went on LinkedIn and just started looking around, um, like, hey, like, who's in the industry that I know that looks like I want this way where I want to work in? And so I would connect with them on LinkedIn, then send them a, a DM and say, hey, my name is Dozier. I'm Miami Art School currently. Um, I see you work in marketing and advertising. Uh, I'm moving to Canada in the next four or five months. And I'm just trying to get a sense of what the industry is like. Would you have like 15, 20 minutes for a virtual coffee chat? You know, just just to kind of just ask and just get a sense of what's happening. 
you know, that's how I got the first one. I also, I also asked some of my lecturers then, like, hey, I'm moving to the country. I just want to just talk and just get a sense of what the job market's like. And, you know, it was pretty helpful. They introduced me to people and it just, it's, and it just snowballed from there. It's like you talk to the first, once you get the first person, you know, the first three, four people, I feel like you just like, maybe if you get three, four people, two people introduce you to two more people and it just keeps on going. And before I had, before I knew what was going on, I was talking to, I was talking to people like three, four, five people every week, wow. you know, you know, and it was pretty helpful because, you know, I tell people when people are, when we talk about looking for jobs here, I tell people that the reason why it takes you three months to get a job is because it actually takes you about two months to get your story right. Like, and like I was my wife, for example, when my wife said job hunting, when we came, my wife was pregnant. So. She got a job. She did some a job with a customer service company for a bit. Um, then went going to maternity leave. Then now said she's a project manager. So she now said, okay, I'm doing maternity leave. I want to start looking for a job. And so when she started interviewing, I told her when she was about to get a job, I told her, you've now, I said, you're going to get a job soon because when I listen to you talk, you're now clear about the value proposition you bring because it kind of mm. takes time. Especially if you're an immigrant, you're not confident yet. You're You're still unsure. You're trying to get a sense of, like what? What was? What, what am I selling? Like what do I have that I'm selling right now? And to yeah. be honest, some people, some people get it with the first one month. Some people are lucky. I I got a job. I got my job. I got a job within six weeks of landing. But I feel like it takes you about three months. And I probably that why I got the job that fast was because I had spent like four or five months in Nigeria refining the story I was going to tell. You know, going through, I'm saying, okay, yeah, this is the part of my experience that matters to recruiters. This is the story. This is These are the skills I have. And this is how, because as you talk to people, you get feedback, you know, they ask you questions. And that just went on. And so I got a job in six weeks, but I spent, give or take, four months prepping to, for, for the interviews, to be honest. Right. Yeah, sure. So the, the, where you began working, was that directly a result of one of your information interviews? Like, was that a... Like an opening that you no, found well, out no, about? No, no, that wasn't actually. So yes, I had, I had, like, I had a lot of interviews. So I got in when I go once I got into Canada, I got like four interviews straight away, all from referrals from my information interviews. Like, hey, you're in town? Oh, sure, let's talk. Oh yeah, we're, mm. we're looking for people, that sort of stuff. And then, but I, I was also applying for the roles at that same time. So right. the first, you know, the thing about being an immigrant, like the first job that comes, you want to get a job quickly. And just start getting get get going and move. So the first the first offer that came, I took it, right. you know. And then I I moved to another job within a month. I mean, apologies to App Eight and stuff. But... <laughs> <laughs> and was that job that you moved to a result of the interviews and the connections that you yes, had made? Yes, or was, yes, yeah, yeah. It was it was it was a result of the interviews and connections I had made. How someone, interesting. Someone, Someone I knew, someone I was speaking to while in Nigeria was like, "Hey, I think you should apply for this role. Like, it looks it looks like it's up your wheelhouse." Yeah, you know, and I applied for that role, and I got the job. That's a really great strategy. I'm definitely going to be highlighting that in the show notes <laughs> for people because I think that's valuable. Because you don't know, well, you don't know what you don't know. Like when exactly. you arrive, you you think you think that the way I look for work in my home country is going to apply mm -hmm, here mm -hmm, in Canada. Mm -hmm. And it's, it can be very, very different. And yes, like you said, is. you you need to hone your story. I really mm -hmm. like that, yeah. that idea. Yeah. yeah I think yeah. that that could be very helpful.
Yeah, I tell that to everyone. I'm like, you need to hone your story. You have to hone your story. And you have to hone your story and own your story. Because like two things that I'm, I'll say from a Nigerian point of view, like to, I, I think that job hunting is a really interesting process of where two people are gauging how much they like themselves. Now, the point is that they're looking out for your skill set, but they're also looking at like your energy or like what you mm. bring to the, like it's just, it's because it's, you're humans. Like we can pretend all we want, but there's a lot of bias and people confident bias going on. Can I work with this person? Okay, he has the skill, he or she has the skill set. But yeah. like, do we kind of, are they, do they communicate properly? And I, that's why I really like your, your story you're doing with English and stuff. Like, do they know how to express themselves and use the right terms and know how to pace and all those things? And when I say own your story and own your story, it takes you time because I think that immigration is the is the wildest thing anyone should can do. Like it is, it is <laughs> I, I think anyone that does it is not normal. I, I'm sorry, that's what I think. It's it is the most. It resets your brain completely. You start life afresh. Yeah, you start you do like it. Just it's a wild thing, especially if you're an adult. You are both 30, 20. I mean, if you come here as a young kid, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20, 30, I feel like you you're just like, oh yeah, I want to have fun. But I, when you've walked for a while in your home country and you get up and say you want to move to another country, gosh, like it is mad. Like it's I think you're mad. I think you're a mad human being to try that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> a good kind of mad. You know? <laughs> and so you're dealing with all that. You're dealing with all that energy and all that stuff, and you need to still get a job and start earning and start paying the bills. Yeah. And so that process of just owning the story and honing what you're saying to people takes time, you know. And so you need to kind of practice it if you, or else it'll take you time. That's right. There. That's great advice. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, so you, you you've talked about the challenge of finding work. Were there any other like major hurdles or obstacles or challenges that you and your family encountered as you arrived here? I think I think we had we had a really amazing landing. I mean, I have I have this friend who I'm, who I'm inter internally grateful to. His name is Oka and his wife Adana. Like I'm so grateful to them. We, we spent two months in their house when we landed. So that was that was fantastic. It allowed us to just you know, just settle in and start trying to find our way. Um, but I think the, the the part that I found interesting was job. I was looking for a house because like, it, it's, it's, it, it's interesting how, you know, people say, oh, immigrants come. And then when they start job, when they start looking for a house, start asking immigrants, hey, you don't have a credit score. Of course, the immigrant doesn't have a credit score. Like, where am I going to get a credit score from? I just got into Canada. Like, you know, the sort yeah. of thing. Um, or like I had this landlord who was, who, you know, I, I wish I could find an image of the questions. Like, hold on. Let me find an image of the questions he was asking me. Because it was so... It was so much that I saved it. I was <laughs> like, I saved it and I said, I'm going to save this thing for someday in my life. Like, because it didn't make sense to us. Like he he sent an email to my to the people I was working with. He first sent us a really long checklist of questions. And we answered all those ones. Because then you you're an immigrant, you want to get a job. We had a I had a, we had a four-year-old, a baby was on the way, and we were desperate for wouldn't I wanted to get that sorted out. Yeah. Um, I wish I could find those questions. I know that I, I saved them somewhere. 
Um, but like if I read them to you, it's hilarious because I, I opened it some days ago with my wife and we we're just laughing about it. We we're like, the things we go through when we're trying to settle in as immigrants is just interesting. Yeah. Um, he sent he was asked questions like, is Dozier a permanent worker? Is Dozier is Dozier does Dozier scream at work? Is he is he calm? Does he does he come late to work? Does is he um what what word did he use? Does he is he dedicated? Is he focused? we had a ton of questions like my boss sends it to me and goes like who's this i'm like it's a potential <laughs> landlord and she's like <laughs> <laughs> and did you end up staying with them no so luckily oh, good yeah he, he the funny part was that he still rejected us after oh my he answered almost all those questions but luckily for us at that same time oh yeah uh, i found some of them can you please confirm that Dozier is, is employed at your company? How long has he been working with you? Are there any terms of employment? Is this a full-time position, contract, or a trial? Does he come to work on time? What is his general etiquette? Is he professional at work? How do you like working with him? Has he ever been reprimanded at work? Oh, my goodness. What is, what is the long-term job prospects for him? And That's I, insane. I, 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 I was just like... Like, yo, I'm just asking for your house. I'm asking for a house. That's yeah. all I'm asking for, a house. You know, um, or the ones where you, you, we call, we call the person and, you know, I, I, I try to go take the high road and always say that, like, there are all these people in the world who just don't, who have biases and stuff. Um, but it was just so sad. And and this, it happened twice, and it was actually Asians that did that just twice. Like you come to say, "Oh, you're Nigerian," so sorry, we don't give houses to black people. Like we got it like mm. two times. And the interesting part was, which is why I said, which is why the why I I, I always say to people that the way I think about racism, I think about it, I don't say it's a race thing. I say it's a, in an individual issue because the landlord that gave us a house was an Asian ended up being a Chinese lady. But it was an Asian that says, so was like, like one of them, like we called her, she's like, oh yeah, like, yeah, you want to come inspect? We're like, yeah, we're coming to inspect. She's like, okay, where are you from? We say we're Nigerians. She cuts the phone on us. We tried to call the phone again. I'll say the number, you can't reach this number anymore or something. Like basically whether she blocked us or something. Another oh one just goes straight up like, hey, sorry, sorry, we, we don't, like we don't give black people our homes. We can give you our home. And it's, it was it's a it can be a lot to take in, but I'm just like, yeah, I it was a lot to take in to be honest, but that's life. I mean, there'll be people who meet you and that's how they'll see you. I, I just go like that's okay. Because our landlord will end up the house we ended up getting. She literally we just sent her an email saying, Hey, we saw your house, we like it. This is who we are. We're working in Nigeria. This is how much we were earning back in Nigeria. We're trying to get a home. I have a wife, my wife is pregnant with a kid. We have a four-year-old, and she's like, um, yeah, she sends us a contract that night. Please come and take the home. Wow. Without she was she 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 never met us once. She was living in San Francisco all this while. She ne I never saw her. Like I never saw her. I don't know how she looks. I only saw her husband once on a video call. Once, right? When we were talking about when we we're about to leave and we we're talking about something we need to fix in the house. And so I said to people like so that's why I say for me it's a it's an individual issue, not a race. So I don't I won't say I I, I mean I said Asians, but like it was like I was trying to make the point that. Those two Chinese people are racist to me, but the person that gave me the house was a Chinese, gave me the house was a Chinese person. So I'm like, that's just, you know. 
<laughs> yeah, it's the individual, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's the individual, yeah. not not the not the race. Like, oh, these people are these people are racist. Now I'm like, no, it's some people. People, some humans are can be racist. Yeah, some yeah. humans just tend to always look at the world through a certain filter, and that's okay. That's who they are. That's fine. Like, I don't know what trauma they're dealing with or why they why that's happening. I just keep doing my thing. That's right. It's tough though, especially when you imagine you're you're going to i mean canada has that fame or that reputation maybe of being a an inclusive country of equal yeah. opportunity where everyone is welcome where we're friendly to immigrants and you know like you said you'll find people who are the opposite yeah. of yeah, that exactly. just like anywhere yeah. else right yeah exactly yeah exactly and so how how long did it actually take you to find your first home I'm assuming that where you are now, that's where you, that was the place you found? No, so we, our first home, this, <laughs> this, is, our, this is our second home right now because we moved, we live in August, then we moved to Calgary and then we got a home in Calgary. But the first right. home, yes, we landed February 4th, 2021. We, we moved into our first home April 2nd, 2021. So, and then where we got the place, like around, I think about the last two weeks of March. So it probably took us like about six, seven weeks to get the first, to, to get the landlord that says, hey, yeah, I'm going to give you a house. But also before okay. then, we had done a ton of inspections. We had, we had gotten stood up a couple of times. Like yeah. Was, I remember one that I, I always remember that one clearly because, you know, whenever I, I look at my kid, I'm like, yeah, that's part of life. I went out with my kid and my wife. She's heavily pregnant. It was really cold. And we get there and the agent doesn't show up. And we're waiting. Um, we're calling the agent. Agent doesn't show up to show us the house. And I'm just like, that's life. You know, it's it's just what it is. It's so frustrating. <laughs> yeah, like, it's just what it is. Humans and did you, you were in Toronto, right, for that no, one? Ottawa, when Ottawa. Ottawa, Ottawa. Yeah, yeah. So I, I believe that Toronto and Vancouver, for example, at least in Canada, are some of the most difficult places just because of uh, competition, you know, for for the the housing market, just to find yeah. rentals. You know, it's super yeah. hard here in Victoria, where I am. It's also very, very, very difficult to find a place that you can afford. Yeah, it's really tough. And uh, I was wondering when you were hunting for a place, did you encounter like multiple people? going after the same spot as you like having to wade through a or wade through a crowd of people you know who are also like in competition for the same spot as you did that happen no i don't think so i think that i don't think so oh it, it, it didn't feel that way to be honest like I, there was no time i went to a house i mean yes you would the, the landlord will tell you or the agent will say to you that hey that there's someone who's who's probably um who's probably interested in this home too, but it just mm. didn't feel like there was always a lot of competition. I do think it's worse now. I mean, I think that the past one, the past 18 months have been a bit wild in Canada for rentals and, yeah. and buying a house in general. Yeah. So I think it's worse now. Um, but I think that then it was a bit easier than it yeah. is right now. Yeah. And did you, would you say this, the same was true about your experience in Calgary? That it, Yeah, it was do? the same. Yeah, the, literally the Calgary house, we got it. We got it from Ottawa. Like we literally got the house like in December. We moved in February. 
So we mm -hmm. got the house like two months before. So it was much easier this time around. Um, we had lived in Canada for a bit, so we probably had the credit score and the things that <laughs> <laughs> all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, all that stuff. Um, but just again... just out of curiosity, with your first place, when you didn't have all that, like, uh, I mean, I know here it's common practice here in Victoria, Vancouver area to ask that the landlord will ask you for references, they'll ask you for credit, a credit check. Uh, what? How did you make it through that first round when you didn't necessarily have that so locally just, anyway? Yeah. So what we just told, we told the landlady that could we just give her like, we'll pay her two months advance. And mm. so we, just, we don't have credit. Like, yeah, but we'll pay you two months. We'll, we'll give you two months advance to keep and then we'll we'll move in. And so yeah. that's what happens. She's like, okay, that's fine. That works for me. And so we paid yeah. we moved in. Well, thank you for sharing your experience of finding your first places to live in Canada. That can be a that can be an, an unexpected journey. And like what you say, I think that it's gotten more difficult as time has gone on. I know in Victoria, when we were hunting, like when we were looking for a place to rent, uh, we I remember showing up to one place, and I kid you not, there was at least twenty five other people oh, waiting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> waiting to go in for an appointment to see what the place the yeah so the competition is fierce <laughs> and okay, it, it is really that's, tough that's wild yeah and that's a common experience that i've some of our friends have told me the same thing you know crowds of people trying to get into the same spot and uh yeah not easy not easy all right, next. My next question for you is what would you say so you you arrived in canada in 2021 you said yeah okay so in the three plus years almost four years that you've been here what would you say has been your greatest accomplishment or your greatest victory well it's three it's three years i could say i'll be three years in a couple in a month there's two plus years yeah it's 20, 20, 20, 20, it's, it's three years i you know the, the greatest accomplishment for me is just being so because Canada is very different from Nigeria, in Nigeria, we had helps and stuff. So I wasn't exactly close to my kid. But I think my greatest being here is that I'm much, much closer to my kids now. Mm. Yeah, I think for me, like, that's the greatest thing, to be honest. Like, when I look back at these past three plus years is that I know my kids much better. And that's just, and that's one thing immigration did for me. Because coming here meant that I had to let go of all the trappings of the life I had back in Nigeria, having the house help, having a nanny who could help take care of the kid, and now have to me and the wife have to come to, have to come together and do that ourselves. That yeah. also meant that I'm now more I'm more invested in what's going on in the home, and I'm much closer to my son and mom. And the second one that came here, so that we gave birth here. I'm like me, like to be honest, like that's the biggest win for me. You know, I mean. I know that's not what everybody says, but for me, like that's just the biggest win. <laughs> yeah, well, that's amazing. What a, what a win to get, hey! <laughs> <laughs> Out of all the wins you could think of, that's that's yeah, an awesome yeah, that's, one. Yeah, and one that you want that could last for for as long as you do. And, yeah, exactly. And, right, yeah, you're creating yeah. a legacy. Yeah, exactly. For me, like that's the because for me, it's I feel like the one of the best ways to change the world is to raise a great kid. You know, and so for me, it's like just being able to be there for them, and because I work from home and I'll drop them at school or daycare and spend time with them and play and all that stuff. You know, yeah, it's 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 so that's for me, like that's the most fulfilling thing. You know, because I was thinking about it this morning. 
yesterday we went out with the seven-year-old and then we got to the Walmart and he's like, she's like, let's go to the book section. Because I've taught him to read and he reads by himself now. And so he picked up a Minecraft book and I said, okay, I'll get that for you. And he starts to read and walk around and my wife, is, and I'm like, stop doing that. My wife is like, no, just let him be. Like, are you not, are you not happy that your son likes to read so much that he can't, he, he can't, he, he's, you give him a book and he wants to get through the book instantly. I'm like, that's actually true. You know? Like, yeah. Like, so it was a, like, oh yeah, like he loves to read. Like, oh gosh, and he's reading. Like, so I feel like if you love to read, like there's a lot of things that can come good for you in the world. Over time. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be mindful of the time here for you, but you came with English being, that's your first language, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's my first yeah. Language. Yeah. And we, we already talked about how, accents can play a part in the experience of of immigrating even yeah. even if english is your first language you know that yeah. can be an issue um have you experienced anything unexpected with related to to your use of english and the accent and how people um engage with you or or yeah. disengage just because of how how your your accent is yeah, I think I think there are two sides to it. I think or the way I see it from two angles. I mean, there's people there are people who have said to me, um, you need to kind of slow down when you talk. Um, and it was kind of demoralizing. and it was at the workplace. And it was kind of demoralizing to hear that to be mm. honest. Um you need to kind of slow down when you talk. Um, and you know, and also again, you've also kind of I think what happens at some at some point, you adjust a bit because you code switch as an immigrant. You kind of code switch every now and then and you adjust. Um, but then that so that part of just trying the, 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 those statements like, oh, can you can you just talk a bit slower? I can't hear what you're saying, or oh, you have an accent. Your accent is pretty interesting, your accent is pretty funny, you know, those sort of things. Um when I hear those ones, I, I just find them funny because I'm like, oh yeah, I could actually say the same same to you that your accent is pretty funny too, because everyone has an accent. Like, so yeah. why is mine why is mine the funny one? But I think as I've gotten older and also been here longer, I just I'm at that point where I just say to myself, like, I'm just gonna talk the way I talk. I, I'm not gonna try to adjust for anyone, you know, just because the other person doesn't adjust for me too. So why should I hmm. adjust? You know, why do I want to? take the mental payload of trying to adjust my accents. Like, I'm just going to talk the way I talk. Um, it's just what it is. It's who I am. It's part of my identity, you know? Yeah. My kid, my kid has an accent. He speaks like, he's always an accent from Nigeria and he speaks like, he speaks like he, he doesn't speak like us, but that's him. Like, and that's okay because he's a kid and right. he's, he's, he's came here much younger than I did, you know? So it's just, it's all those, those things happen. They haven't happened in a long time. But yeah, I think the first time I heard it, it was pretty demoralizing to hear that, to be honest. Like, someone's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, could you just talk a bit slower? Like, someone says, like, oh, I think you need to go and do speech coaching or something. What? Uh, oh, that that's so annoying. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do speech. I'm going to do speech coaching. Yeah, I'll do speech coaching. But... <laughs> so when, when you heard that, did it kind of slow you down did it did it make you feel like maybe i should maybe i should just be quiet or yeah, at some did point, it kind at some of point, at some point yes i i at some point it did make slow me down yes at some point mm -hmm. i did i did stop talking at work yeah you know at some point i did stop talking at work i just 
I was I was scared of kind of saying stuff because it just felt like I would talk and no one would hear what I'm saying. And I would second guess myself all the time because I'm trying to pick the right words or the right accent. Mm. You know, so I'd rather just keep quiet than talk. Yeah. Did you feel like you were trying to be a bit like invisible? Yeah, it felt a bit that way sometimes where you just feel like you like you just don't you just don't know what to say. Like you 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 want to talk, but you're like, if I talk, like, they might not hear what I'm saying properly, or you know, it's just I struggle with that a bit, to be honest. Um, but then at some point, I just go like, you know what, it is what it is. You yeah, know, I just have to be myself. And if person doesn't hear me, you can ask them, "What did you say?" And I'm going to repeat myself again. That's right. When someone does, and I don't hear someone, I'm like, "Sorry, I didn't get what you said." And person's like, repeats themselves, and like so. There's no need to kind of wallow in self-pity or just say, oh, I am, I'm less of myself. But to be honest, yeah, it can be a struggle. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And I, I, and I would say that you're probably not alone in that. I think that it's a very common experience. I know my wife has it all the time or like even now that she's been here for, we've been here for eight years almost, but especially when she worked, she used to work in retail and she would often have customers that are just individuals, like what we said earlier, mm -hmm. individuals who just did not have that social, uh, emotional <laughs> sensitivity, <Yeah. laughs> I guess you could say, you know, and they would just kind of shut down whenever she, they heard her speaking. And she doesn't, to me anyway, she doesn't seem like she has a strong accent, but I know she does. Like you say, we all do, mm -hmm. but, um, I think that people hear an accent and and if they're not mentally prepared for it or if they've, they've not experienced something like that before, they have the tendency to just shut down, you know, and think, oh, I don't understand this person. Yeah. And you can't get past it. You know, there's yeah. not an easy way through it. And that can be so discouraging, as you say, because yeah, you came thinking, I speak English. I know English. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then I'm going to an English speaking country. So what's the problem? You know, yeah, there's exactly. no problem. I don't have to learn English. I already know it. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and yet there still are these little speed bumps, you know, that you yeah. have to go over from time yeah. to time that can really set you back. So, yeah, it's important to prepare ourselves, I guess, for those for those things yeah. <laughs> and push through. Because yeah. in a way, did, did you find that people took you seriously at work? through because of like the accent thing like i heard a i think it was on the cbc or something like that the other day i heard just a fragment of an interview and i i should look and see if i can find it again but the person was saying that a person's accent can shape the way the other the listener perceives you you know that they can either uh they'll either think that you're really interesting and they'll want to lean in and and hear more from you or the negative one and probably the more common response is to kind of lower how they see you like your your ideas don't matter as much or maybe you're not as intelligent as other people just because you can't pronounce or express mm -hmm. yourself in a in a in a more exact way or in a way that's easier for them to understand you know yeah. did you find that happening to you at all I, I I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I didn't I didn't just I I think the thing about me is that I like I can deal with self-pity and self-doubt, but it doesn't change how I see myself or stuff I do. I don't I just overlook that. 
I try to focus on what I can control, which is myself. And I try to fix that. The other person, I don't care what you think. Like you can go do whatever you want to do. I'm going to find my way. Yeah. Um, you know, but I, it kind of makes sense, you know, why it feels like sometimes you talk to immigrants and they say to you that they feel like they have to work two times harder because they need to prove themselves, mm. you know, that they need to prove that they can do it or they know what they're saying or, you know, they need to defend themselves, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. But they get second checked every single time. Oh, yeah. Can you, can you, can someone just kind of, hey, Isaac, could, I mean, so X, can you take a look at what this guy is doing and tell me if he makes sense? Like, and you're yeah. like, yo, I'm the one who's the expert in this field. Why are you asking someone else to sense check my work? You're not asking me to sense check his work. Like, why are you doing that all the time? Right. Um, but, you know, biases are pretty interesting because people don't know when they do them. You know, they, just, right. do, they just do them and they just do them and move on. Um, you can passive aggressive. They just do them, you know. But again. That's who you are. Yeah, exactly. It's just yeah. what it is and. You just do you do your best with what you have and focus on what you control, what you can control. That's right. Okay, Dozy. My last question is: What would you say has helped you the most in establishing your life here? That maybe you could pass on as a piece of advice for someone who is trying to get themselves started on their journey to immigrating to Canada. I, I think two things. I think two things. One, if you're looking to get a job, informational interviews. You know, and I think the second thing also is that I think you need a community. Um, mm-hmm. I'm all for, I'm all for, you know, coming to a new place and experiencing the new place. But I'm, I also think you quickly need a community of people and the alignment could be different things. The alignment could be that you guys, uh, you guys love games or you guys love soccer or you guys love something, but you, or it could be people from your home country, just, but you need a community. You need that, you need that community because you need that place where you mentally, your mental payload goes down. Like you just kind of stop thinking about, you stop trying to adjust or fit in. You're just, you're just there. Yeah. Because the thing about being an immigrant is that you're always trying to fit in. You walk into a bar, you're like, okay, what's, how, how is this? Am I doing this right? Is this how to move around here? Um, well, there are too many, like, for example, I walk into a bar, like, oh, yeah, there's no black, there's no colored person here, or I'm already, I'm already colored person here, or you get hired and you wonder, are you a diversity hire? Yeah, those are real <laughs> questions. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, those are real questions. So you need, you need that place where you go and you're just you. You're not the immigrant. Right. You're just, you're just yourself and you're just finding yourself. Yeah, you know, and you're accepted. Yeah, exactly. You're yeah. accepted for who you are. Nobody's trying to second guess or just you're just you're just yourself, and you're you're not thinking too much about everything that is going on around you. I think everyone yeah. needs that. Absolutely, I agree wholeheartedly with you. Yeah, yeah, you can't do it alone. At least yeah. not not well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, well, Dozy, thank you so much for sharing part of your morning with me and for sharing your story with us. It has been a treat to get to know you a little bit. Thanks I really so hope much. that we can do this again sometime. Ah, yeah, sure, uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so if someone, and I hope that someone was like really interested in your story, if someone wanted to connect with you, what would be the best way for someone to follow you? I, I'd say, I would say send me a DM on Twitter. 
um Duziani Buna Twitter, LinkedIn also, Duziani Buna. Like I think those are the fastest places to get me. Okay. Um I always respond. I I'm not I'm not a snob on there. I probably wouldn't That's I don't right. tweet I can a lot. attest to that. You responded <laughs> to me and I was a stranger to you. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't tweet all a lot. I don't post on LinkedIn all the time. I post when I have something to say, but one thing I would do is someone reaches out to me is and it's a genuine connection. I would definitely respond to the person and be like, hey, yeah, yeah, what's what's going on? See. All right. So I'll I'll definitely be posting those those links in the show notes so someone can can find them and hopefully connect with you. And definitely, once again, this is a little promo for your podcast, the the newcomers podcast. Look for it. If you're new here to please Canada, do, you gotta listen. <laughs> you'll 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 be glad you did. Dozy's a great interviewer and he tells please wonderful do. stories. Please yeah. do. We've got I've also got a lot of interesting content coming down. Like I'm so excited for this year all the things we have coming down the pipeline to be honest uh, but yeah looking forward to those who come and listen and give me feedback <laughs> awesome well thanks dozy thank right, you for thank your you time so much. sure thanks man